podcast from YA Media. We are your hosts, Elliot Shriver and Annabelle Colonna. Our guest today is Mason Flynn. Would you like to start by introducing yourself? Absolutely. So most people call me Mr. Flynn, uh, Coach Flynn. So I work at New Milford High School. I teach the sports medicine course. And then I recently took over the strength and conditioning program in the athletic department. And then I also coach football. Awesome. So could you start by telling us uh, what your beliefs are around the overall goals of sports at a student level? So at a student level, I'm talking high school and below, the goal should really be to have fun. And I think that we have started to gravitate further and further away from having fun in sports. And I think it's really unfortunate. I think that there's a lot of pressure on kids from a lot of different areas, whether it's the parents, whether it's the coaches, whether it's from their teammates. And I think we really do need to start getting back to just having fun in sports. Yeah. Did you play sports in high school? And do you notice a, a difference between then and now? So I did play sports in high school. I grew up in Newtown, Connecticut. And Newtown is infamously known for being contenders in pretty much every sport there is so I played football there and in my four years we lost it couldn't have been more than a handful of games so the way that they ran their program over there was very military style Uh, fun the older you got the less fun it actually got Um, I have noticed there is a little bit of a difference here um, but it's hard trying to find that balance between having fun and also having a winning program if that makes sense yeah for sure do you think there's a reason why we've gotten more intense when it comes to high school sports like does it have anything to do with college in the future and um, students wanting to you know go pro after high school oh absolutely so I think that a lot of this does stem from the parents so the parents are putting a lot of pressure on their kids to want to get a scholarship um, so they could potentially maybe go pro someday, but really parents are trying to push their kids to be as best as they can uh, to pay for college, which I don't think that that should necessarily be the full intention. I think for a lot of kids, um, that is a possibility. For a lot of kids, it's just not necessarily in their cards, um, and it's taking away everything that sports should be. Um, So I think specifically, if we're talking about sports, I feel like soccer in particular, um, the way that it's run in the United States versus in other countries, very, very different. Um, If you look at somewhere like, go to Europe, um, go outside in the streets, people are playing soccer. They are having fun. um, And it's really the culture of enjoyment, bringing everyone together. Now look at youth sports over here in the United States, where if you go to uh, a U8 soccer game, um, so kids eight and under, you have parents screaming, you have coaches screaming, and it is a completely different world over here. So I, I think yeah. it's interesting that um, depending on where you actually are geographically, there there is a big difference. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I know the sports games I've been to at the high school. Some of the parents can get very uh very into it oh they are passionate they are yes very passionate um i've seen even students like go up to some parents and ask them to calm down you normally it's a student section that you think would be you know overly loud and excited but sometimes the parents can just be they're brutal the parents are rowdy and i one of the topics that we talk about in my sports medicine class is actually what they think the role of parents should be what they think the role of coaches should be and um 
you would be surprised at the um, different experiences that these kids come from. Um, so I have one student in particular from last semester where he said that he was driving home from an eighth grade basketball game and he didn't perform well and his dad literally took his shoes and threw them out the window. Um, he heckles his own child at the games. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily going to help the child perform any better. Um, but if you look at, again, going back to really, really young sports. So we're talking about um, four, five, six-year-old. Let's go back to soccer for now. Um, kids are just running around smiling, laughing. That's how it should be. And then as you progress a little bit older, the kids aren't necessarily competing any harder, uh, but the parents are and the coaches are. And the way that we're actually approaching it, I don't think is the right way that we should be doing it. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. What is your stance on what you think the role of parents and coaches should be? So I think that one of the worst parts of sports is that car ride home after a game because you could have either had the best game of your life, you could have had a terrible game. Your parents always have something to say after that game. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure if anyone is listening right now, they are probably shaking their head in agreement because that infamous car ride home is just absolutely terrible. Mm -hmm. um, emotions are really high at that point and you know how you performed. Your parents' input isn't necessarily going to help at that point. I think that coaches should stick to coaching and that player development, helping them develop those skills so they could become a better athlete. I think parents should be there primarily for emotional support. Um, I mean, I do teach health courses, too. I'm huge on mental health. I think that mental health is something that should continue to grow within the field of sports. Um, if you look at somewhere like the NBA, they just installed, I believe it was, it wasn't last season, I think it was two seasons ago, that each team now needs to have a sports psychologist on their, uh, their organization, which I think yeah. is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, because, right. because athletes, they have a different experience than a typical individual would where a typical psychologist might not be able to fully understand what they're going through so having someone specialized in that I think is needed not only at the professional level but trickling all the way down to again if we continue to teach youth sports how we are probably even at the youth mm -hmm. level too yeah for yeah. sure uh-huh I mean, is there anything you feel like you can do as a coach to help better the environment and sort of change it to make it better for the students and the athletes? Absolutely. I think, first of all, I'm very blessed because I teach at the school that I also coach at, um, and a lot of other coaches do. I think that if your players aren't stopping into your room to bother you during the day, then you're probably doing something wrong. Um, <laughs> I feel like you really need to show that you care about these kids, not necessarily just as an athlete. Um, so I coach football. I don't care how you are as a football player necessarily. I, I really don't. Um, let's be good people um, and let's care about people and let's make other people's lives better. And I think that that is the first step that all parents should take. I think that that's the first step that all coaches should take, really just caring about people as individuals as opposed to athletes first. I like that a lot. Uh, yeah. 
I feel like something that I've noticed, um, I hear a lot of kids talk about, obviously I heard about you from a lot of my friends who play sports. I'm friends with some of the football players okay. um, who spoke very highly of you. But I feel like sometimes it's between players themselves that they have this this mindset of keep pushing, you know, mental health kind of takes a backseat. Absolutely. Um, and I feel like it leads to a lot of not only mental health issues, but um, actual like physical injuries when you know people keep pushing. Do you think that that's a growing problem that developing that mindset that, you know, students within the same team aren't necessarily helping each other as much as they should be? So are you saying, help clarify this question for me. I'm sorry, I did, yeah. I did word it kind of awkwardly. I was just thinking, um, so again, I'm friends with some of the people on the football team, right. and one of my friends in particular um, got a pretty bad concussion yes. this season and is no longer able to play. Yes. And um, talking to a couple of other people, they all said, um, you know, if anyone else had been in his position, they would have kept pushing. No matter how many times you get hit, if you are not knocked out on the field, yes. you are going to keep going. And many people agreed with this, and they said, you know, if I saw someone get hit, I'd probably just say, you know, you're good, keep going. And I feel like that's just, in my mind, that's such a negative mindset to have that is not helping anyone else. But I'm, I wasn't sure from a coach's perspective you see that as being a problem. I definitely see it as being a problem. So I also, I played college football too, um, and... This has been a problem that I've seen not only as a coach, but also in my time as an athlete as well. Uh, I definitely had times where I was concussed, um, that I tried to hide it so that I could continue to play. And that's been the mentality for, um, I can't really speak on many other sports, but I know for football in particular, mm -hmm. if you, again, if you aren't knocked out on the field, like you said, then the expectation is that you continue to play. Um, I also, in my sophomore year of college, I actually, I broke my leg. Um, so I took a helmet right to the knee. Um, so I fractured my femur right above my knee, which is the hardest bone to break in the body. Um, and I get up and I felt something was just not right. And so I take myself off of the field. And two plays later, my coach is yelling at me saying, why aren't you out there? And I said, it really doesn't feel right. And he's like, we need you out there. So I went back out there and I continued to finish the game, um, literally on a broken leg. And he pushed me to continue to practice. So I played for probably about a week and a half with a broken leg before I actually went to get an x-ray um, for them to actually confirm it. Uh, I, I think that that kind of just speaks on, there's definitely that expectation and that mentality of you need to keep pushing. And I feel like going back to my point before, that doesn't really show the players that you care about them as people. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily show that you care about your teammates as people. You care about them as an athlete first, which is, I think, completely backwards. Yeah. I mean, is there anything that you think can happen within the team and the teammates to help support each other and make them like realize that it is okay to take a break, especially if you're injured? So I think that that really does start from the coaching staff mm -hmm. going down, and that's something taking over the strength and conditioning program I'm really, really trying to emphasize. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's hard to break that cycle, though, once it's, it's been instilled for every team that I've been a part of. It's unfortunately also been there. So trying to break that cycle, it really does start at the top, working its way down. I'm hoping that we could finally 
get to where we should be or at least start taking those steps in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you see um, you know, people even at, at higher up levels um, trying to put new rules into place to help protect players to prevent these injuries, but also to try to encourage um, you know, a, a healthier environment? So absolutely. So if you actually look at um, National Women's Soccer League actually just uh, reached a new agreement with their Players Association. And they agreed to um, six months paid mental health leave at any point for their players. So yeah. if their players at any point feel like they aren't able to compete to the best of their level, if they feel like they have something going on personally, then they don't have to worry about not getting a paycheck um, when they need to actually go ahead and take care of themselves. So I think things like that are a manifestation of where we should be going with sports. So yeah, something like sure. that definitely gives me hope and promise as far as, okay, we are taking care of people first as opposed to um, taking care of them as athletes first. Yeah. I'm hoping that, again, that starts to trickle down. Mm-hmm. It might take more time than we would hope, but I think it will get there. Yeah, I think seeing it on a professional level, um, especially talking about the NBA before, hopefully inspire people on you know the lower like high school levels, um, you know, to start focusing on those things and realize like those things are important. We Absolutely. need to start incorporating yeah. those. Mm-hmm. I was gonna ask, do you think sportsmanship plays any any role in any of this, whether it's positive or negative? I think sportsmanship definitely plays a role. Uh, I think that it's funny you were talking about teammates and almost holding each other to a certain standard before. Mm-hmm. I think that it starts with the culture of the team. Um, so even before we start competing against other teams, what is the dynamic within the team? And I think that um, from what I've seen in my short time at New Milford, this is my third year teaching here, uh, I have seen a cultural shift within uh, all of the sports organizations that um, I have the pleasure of working with the athletes. Some good, and then also some bad. Uh, I think that the leadership is really what it comes down to, though. Um, Sportsmanship, as far as other teams, uh, my time at Newtown, um, we, again, we really emphasized that military style, always good game, good game, good game, um, which I I think is great. I don't necessarily feel like I had a great relationship with my coach on a personal level, though. Um, I feel like if I decided to quit playing, I don't know if I would have maintained a relationship with my coach. Um, And I can confidently say that if one of my players decided to stop playing, I would love to continue that relationship with them and see where they actually end up and see what they decide to pursue and what they go on to contribute to the world. Yeah. For sure. I like hearing that answer. I feel like I don't personally play sports. Mm. Um, I'm a theater kid. I've okay. done theater for my whole life. But I could see similarities um, with directors. Like, I know that I've had directors who, as soon as you know, the shows are over, I never hear from them again. I did not connect with them on a personal level. But Mr. Menta at the high school, Love I, Mr. I will walk into his room any time of the day and say hello. Like, I, you know, I've gone to him. If I'm, if I'm having an issue, I'm like, I just, I can't 
do this today. I'm right. not mentally prepared to do this. He's so understanding. We have that good connection. I know he makes effort to do that with all of his students, and I think it just makes such a big difference. Absolutely. It does. See, that's how it should be with any organization, um, even if we're not talking about sports. My sister, she is huge into marching band, um, yes. and I think that, again, if you're not going to bother your coach or your director or um, – whoever it might be, then there's definitely a problem within the organization. So I'm really happy to hear that you bother Mr. Amenta. Um, yes, all yes, the time. Of course. <laughs> where do you think, or where would you recommend people, specifically student athletes, go if they do find themselves struggling with mental health or if they have a physical injury that maybe they have not yet brought up to parents or other teammates? Where do you Where do you go? Because I feel like you know, it's easy to say um, your coach, but I know a lot of people just, they don't do it. No, they definitely don't. Um, I think that high school sports, it's in that weird in-between stage where you're supposed to advocate for yourself. So naturally, I would want to say you got to tell your parents first. Um, if your parents are the one communicating to your coach, though, saying, hey, look, uh, Mason really hurt his leg. He can't compete the coach isn't necessarily going to look at you with the same respect that they would if you went up to them first. Um, at the same time, though, it's, it's, it's tricky. Uh, so I would actually probably recommend going to your captains first. So the way that we select captains at the high school is a very in-depth process. Um, I, I think that for most sports, we do a really good job at selecting the right captains so that students do feel like they have somewhere to go to before feeling the need to jump to, let's say, contacting their coach mm -hmm. um, or saying something's really, really wrong um, to their coach, where if they go to their captain, their captain might be able to help figure out a solution or work as the um, middleman communicating between a uh, typical player and then the coach. Yeah. How does student leadership work at the high school? Like, how, What's that selection process like when choosing captains? So there are a lot of different factors that we actually consider. So for most sports, um, you're able to put in an application um, where between sophomores and seniors are typically the ones who apply. Um, and so they put in an application. They have to write an essay for why they actually believe they should be a captain. Um, there's an interview process we take into account of, okay, what are their behaviors like in practice? What is their sportsmanship like? Um, how are they off of the field? Um, how are they in the classroom? There are a lot of different factors that we try to consider. Um, how do they get along with their other teammates, which again, I think is probably one of the biggest things. Um, in case there is a situation, whether it's a mental or a physical injury for those other players. Um, so leadership, I think can really make a difference in a program. Um, and I'm happy to say that the leaders that we have on the teams that I'm working with right now are absolutely phenomenal. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's really great. Mm -hmm. um, also sort of related to like more of the athletes and the students, do you have any specific stories you'd like to share from your time um, from coaching or being involved with sports in general? Oh, there are a lot of stories that yeah, I have. Um, <laughs> Maybe specific, I mean, specifically anything that um, shows how, like, maybe good student leadership or good mm -hmm, sportsmanship yeah. has led to a more positive or healthy um, athletic environment. Okay, absolutely. Um, so if you look at 
So I was the head freshman coach this year um, and then assistant varsity coach. If you look at our freshman team for our football team this year, we had 23 guys on the team. Uh, 18 of them had never played before. Um, we, I can't remember the last time that New Milford had a winning record for our freshman team, and we actually had a winning record this year. That's uh, great. In consideration that almost all of our players had never played before, uh, I'm very proud of that. Um, yeah, that's amazing. And what I'm even more proud of, though, are our student leaders. Um, so we had uh, two different captains who were captains for every single game. And then that third captain, I actually had a rotation system where we would kind of vote on who we think was the most deserving that week um, to be our captain. So we had our two main guys who, if there ever was an issue within the team, they would make sure that everything was handled. Everyone made sure that they were seen and heard. Um, and then we also had a lot of other people trying to step up and be leaders within the team, not only to win that captain status, but also to really show that um, this is where they want to be. And I think that having strong leaders creates a sense of belonging within the team. So that's one thing that I'm definitely most proud of. Um, let me think. Any other specific stories? Uh, broken leg was not a good time. Um, <laughs> let me think. I did have one really bad concussion in college, too. Um, so it was my freshman year, and it was a couple weeks into practice. And going into my freshman year, um, I really wanted to prove to everyone that I should be should be on the field. Um, so we were practicing special teams where there was an onside kick where uh, one player dove for the ball and I also dove for the ball. So our helmets actually collided um, right at the crown of the helmet and I actually I was knocked out. Um, wow, so. Wow. I stood up, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, I guess I'm playing football right now. <laughs> and I was completely confused. And, again, that is that was one of the concussions that I tried to hide. Um, mm -hmm. It wasn't very successful. Uh, they, they figured out that I had a concussion <laughs> considering I, I had really bad memory loss. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, the way that the team actually took care of me at that point was was really great. Not in that moment necessarily, but those weeks following after that. Um, it really had that feel, that culture that I was talking about before, mm -hmm. um, a sense of belonging, which I feel like each athlete should have. Um, that was definitely one of the more special um, ones, which is weird to talk about <laughs> because that was a really bad injury that I yeah. had. Mm -hmm. um, let me think. I also, I don't think I mentioned, I am a type 1 diabetic. Um, so when I was 17, um, my pancreas literally just stopped working. Oh, um, wow. So uh, it was a month before my 18th birthday, a month before I went to college. Um, and again, I was supposed to go play college football. And so uh, most people's blood sugar for a typical individual is supposed to be between 70 and 120 at all times. Um, so... We knew that something was wrong with me because I was super tired all the time. I was drinking probably like 30 water bottles a day. I'm talking about like the Poland Spring water wow. bottles. Um, and I was starting to lose weight like crazy. Um, so we go to the hospital. We knew something was wrong. We didn't necessarily know how bad things were at the time. And they checked my blood sugar, 
which again, it's supposed to be between 70 and 120. Mm -hmm. um, so they checked my blood sugar, and you want to take a guess at how high it actually was? It was, it was higher than it should be. Oh, man. Word, I'm going to guess something like crazy. Yeah. I think it's like 180. Okay. All right, 180. What do we think? Um, I was thinking 150, but 150. it's probably higher. Yeah, it was, it was higher than that. So my blood sugar was actually 1,200. Oh, um, so, oh my gosh. So the medical staff looks at me, and they're like, yeah, I don't know how, how you're alive right now. And I'm like, oh excuse God. me? Like, I, <laughs> oh, my God. As a 17-year-old kid, I, that was not the most comforting thing yeah, to hear at the time. Um but my body, they weighed me at the hospital, and I, my body ate itself down to 129 pounds um, because my blood was so acidic from having so much sugar in it. And uh, for those of you listening, I'm 6'2", 6'3", uh, so I, I should be more than 129 pounds. Um, so adapting to becoming a uh, type 1 diabetic athlete has definitely been one of my challenges too. Um, and I do have to say that all of the coaches that I've had have been absolutely phenomenal with working with me. Um, but then going back to the expectations that teammates might put on you, um, mm -hmm. some teammates didn't understand why I would have to uh, step out of a tackling drill for a quick second to go chug a half a gallon of orange juice and then jump jump back in yeah. um they saw clearly i wasn't dead on the ground yet so i should still be competing um but i could personally feel myself starting to actually die um yeah. but uh there definitely is that expectation um wow that's great that that must have been such a like insane transition to uh -huh. make and i but i i feel like that would enhance your experience as a coach like having having that in the back of your mind to help you know athletes that you're training in the future who may be dealing with the same issues or any other injury i feel like you you would probably have that a higher level of understanding absolutely yeah. um that heightened awareness of okay even if you're not necessarily seeing something mm -hmm. being wrong that doesn't mean that everything is 100 percent okay um so i definitely agree with you I, I think that's definitely helped me as a coach and also as a teacher too yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. I was wondering if for a minute we could talk about concussions only okay. because you mentioned it and I know it's just, it's such a big issue. It is huge. And honestly, I know it's become almost like a joke. Uh, I, I have a friend in particular who has had two this year and we always joke. We're like, oh, I hit my head. Oh my gosh, just like her, I probably have a concussion. <laughs> it becomes awful. a joke. It, and, I, and looking at it, it's kind of like, that's, it's really not funny. Like they, it's they not. Are, they are a, they're a serious injury to have. So is there anything you feel like more people need to be aware of when it comes to concussions and how serious they can be? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there is a disease called CTE, um, which football players in particular are now becoming known to have CTE. And I feel like even that is a joke right now, too. Um, so if you hear the name Antonio Brown, a lot of mm -hmm. people joke about him having CTE. And so CTE is essentially a result from having your head hit over and over and over and over and over again. So it's not even necessarily having concussions, um, but just repeated trauma to the head. So um, you can't test for CTE until after you pass away because they actually need to take slices of your brain and put them under a microscope to examine them to definitively say, okay, yes, this person has it. Um, but what it does is that it actually releases neurotoxins. Um, your brain releases neurotoxins, which 
means brain poison. Um, so your brain starts to actually suffocate itself, um, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, they tested, uh, it was right around 110 NFL players who donated their body to um, be analyzed after they passed away. Um, I can't remember the exact number, um, but it was, if they tested 110 players, I believe it was somewhere around 108 of them tested positive for CTE. Um, Division one football players, so kids who played for four years and then stopped playing, they didn't go on to play professional, um, they tested 52, 49 of them tested positive for CTE, which I feel like it's actually scary. Um, I I feel like uh, it, it is scary because again, going back to things that you can't necessarily see, but you know are actually real and happening to people and damaging people in ways that you can't necessarily see um, doesn't mean that they're not real. Uh, As far as concussions go at the high school level, I wish that people were more transparent with when they aren't feeling well. Um, I feel like athletic trainers are now starting to be very hypersensitive to the way that they actually diagnose concussions. So Um, If you have really any of the symptoms on the long list of symptoms that might happen with uh, a concussion, they're probably going to rule you out just to be safe, which I think is probably headed in the right direction. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's how it should be. Um, But I feel like there were also a lot of misdiagnosed concussions um, this past season or this past year that I, I had personally seen where... I think there is a difference between having a concussion and just banging your head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as prevention goes for concussions, um, I feel like the only way to sh- make sure that you do not get a concussion uh, in sports is by not playing sports. Um, I, I feel like, yeah. uh, unfortunately, yeah. it's a part of the game for a lot of different games. Um, there are definitely prevention methods that aren't being used that I feel like should be emphasized, especially at the high school level. So you don't even necessarily need to hit your head to get a concussion. Um, You could actually, if you twist your neck fast enough um, and your brain hits the side of your skull, um, you could actually get concussed essentially from getting whiplash. Um, So that actually happens much more commonly than you would think. One thing that I think we should be doing instead of the quote-unquote strength and conditioning programs that we have currently is actually strengthening those muscles supporting the neck so that we could slow ourselves down so our neck isn't turning so fast, um, so that we reduce the risk of concussions that way. Um, Because technology can only go so far. Uh, Helmets, I don't think that there is a helmet out there in the foreseeable future that can 100% um, stop a concussion from happening. But what we can do, what we can control is make sure that our body is strong enough to make sure our head isn't getting completely tossed around, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Something I never even thought about was strengthening those muscles. And yeah. who knew that whiplash could, yeah. could right? give you a concussion? I know. That's mm-hmm. crazy. I had no clue. I mean, is there anything that you think could be done to um, – take concussions more seriously and like make sure that these people who are getting concussions know that they are serious and they have to take care of themselves when they have concussions. So I know that all coaches now have to renew this concussion course um, and you get a nice little certification saying I took the concussion course every single year. Um, 
I think that it's great that we have that in place for the coaches. I think that we need to have something similar in place for the players. Um, I, I think that it really does come down to education. And it, it's hard, though, to tell a 17-year-old kid that, oh, this might affect you 30 years from now because they aren't even thinking 30 days from now. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, they're, they're thinking, okay, what's right in front of us? Uh-huh. Um, so... I think it really does come down to knowing your players, um, understanding, okay, what are their goals in life? Um, Mm -hmm. So let's break it down. Okay, you get a concussion and you decide to keep playing. uh, How is that going to affect you in the long run? Um, Maybe you can't get that job that you want. Maybe you can't go to the college that you want now. Um, Maybe you can't have the family that you want because you are literally just taking those opportunities away from yourself from continuing to play in, what, one to two more games in high school than you really should. Um, Mm -hmm. I think those relationships are really key and understanding what motivates people in the first place. I think we should really be trying to capitalize that on as a coach. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. Are there any um, that, you know, like long-term side effects that concussions can have, even if you you no longer have a concussion, Mm -hmm. but that can you know, follow you throughout your life? Oh, absolutely. Um, So, uh, again, CTE is very, very real, um, and that is definitely more on the extreme side. But in the later stages of CTE, people actually go, I don't like using the word crazy because I, I feel like there is a stigma towards mental health. I don't think that crazy is necessarily the right word, but people act incredibly out of character. Mm-hmm. Um And I'm talking about they become violent, they self-harm, and a lot of these cases actually end in suicide, um, which is absolutely horrible. Um, And they lose control of who they actually are. So that is definitely the more extreme case. Uh, Some of the less extreme cases with concussion, though, you might have uh, memory loss, which... I don't know anyone who wants to have memory loss. Uh, problems <laughs> focusing. I feel like everybody has enough problems focusing as it is. Let's yes. be serious. Um, let me think. Uh, a lot of people do have physical gross motor skill problems um, that follow them throughout their life too. So maybe the way that they walk is even impacted, which that's scary. Um, yeah. There is second impact syndrome too, which could literally kill you that's where you already have a concussion you decide okay i'm gonna push through i'm gonna go back in the game and people have been known to either a die uh when that happens if they get a second concussion on top of that first one before it's recovered or b there have been cases where people completely lose their personality and i'm talking about they become different people Mm -hmm. after suffering that which I mean, to me, that's terrifying. It's scary. Uh, It's definitely scary. scary. And I feel like I'm only saying that because I feel old now. Um, (laughs) I feel like I might have a different take if I was still 17, 18 years old playing sports. Um, But in my experience, I feel like taking that back step, um, that step back, thinking about it, it is scary. And if, if I ever have kids someday, I don't know if I would necessarily want them to play football, which is crazy to say as a football coach, um, as someone who played the game 
for years and years and years. Um, it's heartbreaking to me, but right now a lot needs to change within the sport before I would even feel comfortable with them doing that. Yeah, for sure. Even what you're what you're saying is, I guess I didn't even realize until my friend got his concussion, and I mean, he's not supposed to be on his phone, so he would call me and put his phone down so that we could talk, and him just telling me about the memory loss, not being able to walk correctly, um, you know, people telling him about, you know, the night and him just not being able to recall any of it was scary for me to listen to because yeah. I couldn't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, I was seeing pictures you know, from the game mm-hmm. and I'd say, like, do you remember this? And he's like, I, nope. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And I just can't even imagine mm-hmm. um, if it was someone who I knew, like, having a completely different personality or, God forbid, something worse happened. Um, so I agree. I feel like even I think about, like, my friends playing sports now, I get nervous sometimes, like, when yeah. I'm at a game mm-hmm. And I see one of them go down or get hurt. And recently in hockey, there was the the student was yes. it over in Greenwich who passed away. And yep. mm-hmm. I just think there's so many safety things that it's make scary. me nervous. It yeah. is. It, it really is scary. And as a coach, I feel like something that I struggle with is if I see one of my kids go down, um, I am almost completely mentally and emotionally removed from the game. Um, where I, I'm literally only worrying about my kid and making sure that they're okay at that point. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to then 30 seconds later be able to call plays and things like that and try to strategize when I'm worried about, okay, is he going to be okay? Yeah. Um, uh, it, it is scary. There, there are a lot of serious concerns um, that I have as a coach um, and as a person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things that you don't even think about that would be so dangerous. And do you think there's any way, like, what's the line between protecting the players from getting scared about this mm-hmm. and um, informing them and educating them on really the seriousness of these injuries? See, I think looking back to, okay, we had five kids on my team who had played football before, Um I think a lot of that was because parents were concerned. Um, So at the youth level, they didn't want them to compete, which I think there are pros and cons with, because Mm -hmm. I think if you start really young, um, on one side, you are suffering a lot more trauma to your head over and over and over again, which Mm -hmm. could follow you for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, On the other side, you are learning fundamental skills that, a smaller size at a safer size to be learning these skills so that way when you're bigger um, you already know what you're doing and it's almost like muscle memory where when you go to tackle someone uh, you don't even have to necessarily think about it your body just does it Um, as opposed to okay now we have these kids who are pretty big kids Um, if you look at the freshmen walking around the hallways um, I feel like there's actually a big disparity they're they're either absolutely huge Mm -hmm. or really really small but let's take someone who is call it 6'4 200 pounds um they've never tackled anyone before going up against someone the same size i feel like not knowing what you're doing that sounds dangerous to me Mm -hmm. to begin with Mm -hmm. um so i think it really does start at uh the parental level as far as education goes um and trying to find a balance of okay we're still competing we're teaching them these things so that they are safe and will continue to be safe later on um i think that's an excellent question because i feel like all of this is kind of finding the balance between okay we need to keep pushing 
um, to build those resiliency skills that everybody needs. Mm -hmm. But we also need to make sure that we're okay and like stop and Mm -hmm. like think about things for a second. Um, So I I hope that we find that perfect balance. I think it's going to take some trial and error. I feel like it's a pendulum where it's going to swing back and forth a little bit before we actually meet in the middle. Um, But yeah, it it is difficult right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As a coach, when do you think uh, or where do you think the line is from, you know, being encouraging and, you know, pushing players to do their best because, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't, you know, every time you hit your head just a little bit, have everyone sitting out, obviously, where, where is the line between, um, you know, pushing um, and, you know, kind of challenging yourself and taking it to an extreme and putting yourself at risk? See, that line is very hard to find. Yeah. And I've obviously struggled with that line myself before. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think it's I, something that varies by sport? I think well? it varies by sport. Um, the physical demands obviously mm-hmm. are, are different within each sport. Um, I think it also depends on the individual too. Um, yeah. So everyone's threshold for are they okay uh, is different, and that's completely okay. Um, I think that, again, it really does come down to communication. Um, like, I feel like I know my players really well. If they're not okay, if they're acting out of character, I feel like I would be able to detect that really easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in an ideal world, that would also be the situation with the athletic trainers, too, um, where they're supposed to be the medical staff there. Uh, for all of our competitions, practices, and if they already know the players and know what's right with them, what they're like on a normal day, then they would also understand, okay, what is not typical for them. Um, So I I feel like it really needs to be this collaborative effort where it's more so than just one individual person. It needs to be a team effort. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it's just stressing that point, that relationship between coaches and and their athletes, like making that connection and knowing your player as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, And I think that that's true in coaching. I think that that's true in teaching. I think that that's true in the business world. I I think a lot of life does come back down to those relationships. Yeah. I know I asked, or it might have been Elliot who asked in the beginning, um, what you believe the overall goal of sports is. What is your personal goal as a coach at a high school level? At a high school level, um, I just want to help my kids reach whatever goals they have. Um, So whether their goal is to uh, play football so that they don't get into trouble elsewhere, that is fantastic. Come play football, we'll make sure that you stay out of trouble. If their goal is to play Division I in college, okay, I can work with you, let's try to get you there. Um, If their goal is to, um, I I really don't know what else they might have, um, Mm -hmm. but really trying to get them from point A to point B in the best way that we possibly can. Um, And then in addition to that, athletics aside, I want them to leave my program as a better person than they came in. Um, So a lot of that I can't be the super fun coach that everybody wants to be around all the time. Um, part of that means that I have to hold them accountable, make sure that they are disciplined so that they learn these life skills that are going to help them later on in life. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as the motivation for students, which we talked about the goals, but mm-hmm. where do you see 
like, where do you see it starting from? Do you think if they started younger, do you think it's more the parents who have encouraged them, or do you think it's from the kids wanting to be involved in sports? So I think it's definitely dependent on the individual. I think Mm -hmm. that, unfortunately, a lot of kids lose interest in sports because of the pressure that their parents put on. Um, So actually, uh, 70% of kids drop out of sports by the age of 13. Um, And I, I think that that definitely comes down to parents are trying to coach their kids. I think that coaches are a little rough around the edges um, and it's really terrible because sports are supposed to be fun and Mm -hmm. we have 70% of our kids dropping out. I I feel like that's actually embarrassing. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think that we really need to take a step back and think about what are we actually doing. Um, So the motivation, uh, I would say three, those three kids who are left out of the 10, a lot of them, they're staying in because their parents are saying, you need to get a scholarship. Or maybe one of them are staying in because it's still fun. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah. I think that the motivation at that age, a lot of it is coming from the parents. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like the motivation should be, I'm playing this because I like playing this. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like... I- I know it's a very different situation, but I feel like I can see that in theater sometimes, too. A lot of people do drop. I mean, I know even Uh, with the musical this year, our our cast is smaller. There weren't as many people who auditioned. But I do know some theater parents who can put a lot of pressure. Uh And it's like, if you're not Broadway bound, what are you doing? Why are you just doing this for fun? Mm -hmm. Um, And I do know a lot of people who do go into sports. Mm -hmm. They choose sports over theater. Right. um, Because of that, the parents being like, we can't do anything with theater. But if you do... Sports, mm-hmm. if you push yourself hard enough, maybe you can get a scholarship, yeah. you know, to whatever college. Maybe you can, you know, go to a D1, D2 school. Which mm-hmm. is crazy. Like I, is. I, I think about, okay, so out of all of the high school athletes, uh, between, what, 92 to 95% of them don't go on to play sports after that. So why are we disproportionately actually believing that kids can get scholarships so easily like that. Um, The goal shouldn't necessarily be to uh, have college paid for. The goal should be to, okay, let's find something that we genuinely enjoy and Mm -hmm. let's get better as people. Yeah, for sure. This is kind of a a different route, but do you think that fan behavior can play any sort of role in any of this? I know we talked a little bit about parents at games, but we have to acknowledge that student sections can can yeah. be rowdy, oh, and we can yes. be pretty cr- cruel at times. Yes, absolutely. Um, fan sections, I feel like it's actually mind-blowing how much of an impact they can have on the game. Um, so if you go to – we had a game at Massac this year, um, and I've always hated playing at Massac. It's, <laughs> I, I've always described it to people as, all right, close your eyes – Imagine that you are on a sports team and you are going to go play at the Villains home stadium. Um, And that is exactly how it felt. When we were playing them this year, first of all, we got absolutely destroyed by Masic. Um, It was was a terrible game all around. Um, Their fan section had speakers. They were dancing. They... It looked like it was more fun than their homecoming dance, if we're being honest. Like, they were having a fantastic time up there. But 
their team rallied around that energy, and I feel like it definitely mm-hmm. fueled them. Um, I, I don't think that... Uh, we also played at New Fairfield this year, and uh-huh. their fan section was, I feel like, disrespectful. Um, yeah. I, I feel like um, when... That was our last game of the season. Um, we lost that game, and after the game, um, we all meet together as a team. Um, everyone takes a knee around the coaches, and we just have an actual heart-to-heart conversation, um, especially last game of the season. So every time that we went to go talk, um, their student section would blow air horns so that we couldn't actually speak or hear. Um, they, I, I feel like going back to sportsmanship, um, sportsmanship should definitely continue into the fan section too, yeah. um, which at, at New Milford, I feel like we, we do have that going for us for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, other schools around us, not necessarily, but the fan section definitely plays a role on the game. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's, it's mm-hmm. interesting. It's interesting to hear that. Cause when I thought of asking the question, I wasn't sure what the response would be. I mm-hmm. kind of thought it was a silly question at first. No. Like, I guess, you know, they're off the field. No one's paying attention to them, but uh-huh. it's interesting to hear that wow. they can, they can have a big impact. Oh, they definitely yeah. can. So the Seahawks, they, so there are 11 players on a football field at a time. Um, the Seahawks fan section is known as one of the better fan sections. So, so their fan section is called the 12th man, um, oh, wow. because they make such a big impact on the game. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so fan sections, you could definitely feel the difference when you have people supporting you in the mm-hmm. in the stands um, when you don't. And I do have to say, uh, shout out to the the New Milford marching band. Um, when we were playing our game, I think it was against Danbury. Um, we were walking to um, back inside for halftime, and the Danbury fan section was heckling us, and right. marching band was right there. To defend us it was yeah. great um they they were cheering for us they were trying to drown out their sound with uh with their instruments it was fantastic um, that's awesome yeah. yeah we like shouting out the marching band. oh yes that's, we do yeah, that's awesome mm-hmm. and that there's a there's a positive spin on it that you know that positive influence on oh, players yes. yeah. that's awesome mm-hmm. is there anything that you would say to fan sections um to help you know explain what, what's the proper the proper etiquette yeah yeah Ooh. <laughs> Uh, proper etiquette. Um, I feel like you see the, the signs everywhere that say, like, be a fan, not a fanatic. Um, mm-hmm. Where yeah. you, you want to support your team. Um, don't be a jerk. That, that's really <laughs> what it comes down to. Just don't be a jerk. I, I feel like a lot of people, they take sports so seriously, which is fantastic that they care so much. Um, but at the end of the day, going back to we keep talking about people as people. Um, there comes a time where people are going to take their helmets off and shoulder pads off at the end of the game, and they might still be thinking about some of the things that you were saying. Um, so uh, just remember that there is a person under that helmet. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fans and everything really bring that energy, and it can be so harmful or positive and, like, really, like you said, determine the outcome of the game. But do you feel like... There are sort of modes, I guess, like when you are at a game coaching and when you are at practice coaching. Do you feel like you're different around the players? Or I mean, obviously, it's different in the game or at practice. There's different right. circumstances. But yep. do you feel like you act sort of differently? See, it's funny because people who know me in the building is Mr. Flynn. 
mm-hmm. uh, know me completely differently is Coach Flynn. Um, I, I feel like they are two completely separate people, um, which is, I think it's weird. I never thought that it would necessarily be that way. Um, but it, it's really about adapting to what are the people in front of me need right now. And I feel like a lot of the time in the classroom, you have kids who are just coming back from a test that they just bombed, or maybe they weren't able to eat breakfast that day, um, or maybe something else is going on in their life that don't necessarily need to know about. So I feel like I am a much softer, gentler person as Mr. Flynn. Um, As Coach Flynn, again, I'm trying to get us from point A to point B, um, and that could mean a couple different things as far as our record goes, as far as becoming better athletes, as far as becoming better people. Um, I feel like you need to be more direct. Um, and so there isn't uh, enough time to beat around the bush or sugarcoat things. And I have to coach my players with tough love. Um, and I feel like most of my players do respond better that way. Um, game day in practice, I feel like game day, I'm incredibly serious. There's no joking around practice. You could probably get away with a little bit of stuff, but, um, but yeah, game day, super super serious mm-hmm. um and I, I mean i think that again people should care about sports um because we're putting in so much time effort and emotion into this so mm-hmm. if you are right now we're in the off season and we're working out for probably about an hour and a half every day um when we're in season we lift for however much amount of time and then we also go outside for practice for a couple hours too um we watch film together we ride have those bus rides together um we have those games together you're putting so much into it you should actually care about it um so Mm -hmm. on game day obviously winning shouldn't be the number one thing um but making sure you are putting everything out there uh in your power to make sure that you you won't have any regrets um you know personally like okay i did everything that i possibly could um the outcome is whatever the outcome is yeah Mm -hmm. yeah for sure so i guess my first sort of wrap-up question is what advice do you have for coaches um to help create you know not necessarily to be a better coach i know Mm -hmm. that differs from person to person but just to create a healthier environment amongst your teammates you know promoting mental health physical health and just all around yeah um so as far as that goes i think that it could be something as simple as at the end of practice you take five minutes to have even like a meditation session which sounds absolutely ridiculous um some people might be judging me for saying that, but I feel like if you actually take five minutes um, to be a little bit more mindful um, and realize where you are, who you're working with, it could go a long way. Um, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be traditional meditation where everyone has their legs crossed and uh, meditating that way. Um, but even do, we call it a sun, sunshine stretch where you are just on your back sprawled out um for five minutes and you are just looking up at the clouds it it could make the world of a difference um 
I think, again, we keep going back to the relationships. I, I think that that is huge. I, I think that that is probably the biggest takeaway that I would want a coach to hear is care about your players and understand that they're people. Um, they're, they're not just athletes. And I think that a lot of coaches right now, there is this pressure for kids to focus on one sport, or they call it specialization for one sport. And coaches are saying, okay, if you want to be a better basketball player, you have to play basketball year-round. I don't think that that's necessarily the way we should be doing it. I, I think that kids should be doing what they actually want to do um, as far as pursuing other interests as well. Mm -hmm. um, so trying to understand them and then also support them as people and athletes. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is sort of off topic mm -hmm. again, but I was thinking, so I did some track freshman year. Okay. And I was sort of reflecting on it and, like, I'm realizing you sort of get out of sports what you put into it. 100%, And so yes. your experience is defined on how you treat it and mm -hmm. how you treat the time you spend. Is there ever, you think, a point where you will advise or not like you will know that a player should quit like is there ever a point where you think that or advise them absolutely to do that? um so there was a player probably about three weeks ago mm -hmm. when we were just getting into our off-season lifting and this student came up to me and he said hey do you think i should play football this year and i said no um, and he was incredibly shocked at my response, mm -hmm. but I said that there are some other things going on in your life that I feel like you need to figure out first before you come back to the team. Um, and I said, you should definitely come back once you're ready, mm -hmm. but right now, now is not the time. Yeah. Um, and he has some personal things going on, um, but it, I, I never thought that I would get to that point. Um, mm -hmm. But again, I think... Coach Flynn, a little more honest, a little yeah. more direct yeah. than Mr. Flynn. Um, but there are definitely times where I think it's not necessarily helping the kid as much as it is hurting them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If there is a student athlete that you know is struggling, again, whether it's mental or physical health, mm -hmm. what advice would you give to them? If they decide that they do want to keep pushing, keep playing, what would you say to them? Uh, communicate, communicate, communicate. Uh, communication is vital for really again you could translate that to anything but if there is an athlete who's struggling with something they need to let someone know um, whether it is first starting with their captain um, or going to their parents or going to their coaches or the athletic trainer or ideally all of those people um, mm -hmm. we can't necessarily help you if we don't understand what's going on um, so like we have one of our athletes right now is coming off of ankle surgery, and he's really pushing to get back to uh, where he was before the injury. And yesterday, you could tell something was not okay with his, mm -hmm. with his demeanor. His, his energy was just off. So I go ask him. I say, are you all right right now? He's like, oh, my ankle's really hurting me. Um, okay, let's work with that. What can we do instead? What can we do alternatively to make sure that you are still improving, you're still getting better, but also supporting you the best way that we can? Um, does that make sense? Yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. For mm -hmm. sure. What is a lasting ending message that you would like to send to student athletes or, I mean, parents or coaches or any of them? Okay. Uh, 
A lot of pressure. It's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. <laughs> there, Let's see. A, a single say. message. All yeah. right. I'm going to break this up into a couple different messages. So <laughs> yeah. sorry. Um, first of all, again, only between 5 to 7% of kids go on to play at the next level. And if you really want that, if that's what you genuinely feel like you want to do, go for it, pursue that, and put everything that you have into that. Um, if not, that's okay too. Take the time to appreciate that you have with your teammates, um, with your coaches, with the sport that you play for fun. Um, so actually take the time to enjoy yourself. Um, another message that I do have for student athletes though is that um, you need to, if you are committed to a team, you need to actually commit to the team. Um, I, I feel like there's a huge issue right now where kids are kind of half in and half out. Yeah. Um, and there's this saying where, okay, you walk on the left side of the road, um, you'll be safe. If you walk all the way on the right side of the road, you'll be safe. If you walk in the middle, eventually you're going to get hit by something. Um, it doesn't help anyone if you are half in or half out. You, you should really decide, okay, I'm either fully committed to this group of people or I need to move on. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sure, I like that. I like yeah, that a lot. that's really good advice, I think. Um, this is something that we just like to add at the end of mm -hmm. our interviews. Um, see, again, I'm not a big sports person. Elliot, yeah. you, do, you don't do any no. high school sports, right? No. But do you have any questions for us at all? We always oh, like to throw that in at goodness. the end. <laughs> and if not, that's okay, but we like to, we like to ask. All right, give me a second. I definitely have questions. I just need to think. I was not prepared for that question. Um, let's see. I feel like, I mean, you covered my question before. Like, your concern about players um, and, like, your friends, obviously. I, I was going to say, like, as a fan, like, what are your perceptions of the game? Um, but I feel like you already covered that. Um... It's still, it's still a good question. I don't know if Elliot has yeah. anything that you... Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you didn't comment on it as much. I don't know if you have any other outside. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is sort of related, but I feel like I've noticed... I haven't gone to that many games, but I feel like when I do and somebody gets hurt, it's not really... Like, sometimes players on the team where the player is hurt will kneel, mm -hmm. but I've noticed that most times the other team, the other players don't, and the crowd doesn't necessarily, like, they just continue talking. They don't necessarily notice or, like, acknowledge. Really worried. Yeah. And I just, I don't know, I feel like there needs to be more respect in areas of that because injuries can be very serious, and they aren't, like, an inconvenience. Well, they are, no. they are an inconvenience, <laughs> but they, not they shouldn't to the be. fans and not yeah. to the other players they're like a real genuine thing that has to be talked about and taken time to address and yeah, yeah. I completely I, agree I agree I know that when when my friend got her um I was actually I was yeah, I was in the city I was on a train ride home mm -hmm. when I when I heard about it and I had a bunch of friends who were at the game and I probably asked a good six or seven people and I was like what happened you know I heard about this no one knew. No one knew about it. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, someone told me he was wheeled out to an ambulance, and yep. none of yeah. you guys saw this. Mm -hmm. No one knows mm -hmm. what's going on. Like, I don't know how you, you can miss that. And they're like, I, there was so much going on. I guess none of us were, were paying attention to it. And I had a couple people kind of 
I don't want to say give me attitude about it, but they were just kind of like, why, why are you so, why are you so worried about it? Like, it's probably fine. I'm like, is that the hospital? I feel, I feel uh, like, yeah, I feel like that's an indication he is <laughs> not fine. I feel like I feel like there's a little bit of a problem. So I do, I do feel like um, in fan sections, maybe there could be a little bit more awareness. I mean, again, yeah. you were talking about athletes should have an awareness. Like, if you get injured, it is serious. Yeah. But even the people watching need to understand that uh-huh. when someone gets hurt, like. It is a big deal. It, it's something that has to be taken seriously, um, and it it's real. It's a real thing that can have really mm. serious consequences. Absolutely. And you went with um, people kneeling um, when someone gets hurt, and mm-hmm. I have noticed actually too that not everyone is actually getting down on a knee yeah. when mm-hmm. when someone gets hurt, and that's always been a respect thing going back to sportsmanship. Yeah. Um, that's always been something that we've done, and then sometimes I feel like I do hear. Like heckling from the fan section too when someone gets hurt, um, mm-hmm. telling them to get up mm-hmm. or telling them, uh, calling them certain things, yeah. um, which I, I feel like you're absolutely, absolutely right. There should be more of a respect mm-hmm. from the fan section. Yeah. Um, but sure. yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that was all the questions we had, but you gave us so there's so much information there we, that we were able to unpack in an hour. So thank you so much for for everything you said, for answering all of our questions. No problem. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was awesome. Thank you.